Are you feeling stuck, lost, tired, or uninspired? We've all been there, including myself. I'm Coach Des, mindset motivator and lifestyle entrepreneur. I'm here to tell you that the best, unapologetic, and limitless version of yourself is yet to come. The Born Unbreakable podcast is here to inspire just that. With motivating guests from all different walks of life and around the world, their stories will empower you to unlock abundance and your unbreakable spirit. Do you need accountability? Reach out to me for a free consultation of how I can support you in reaching your maximum potential. This episode is brought to you by Sherpa Way Marketing. Are you a business looking to gain greater visibility online through search engine optimized content? Maybe you need effective ad campaigns to kickstart or bolster traffic to your website. Sherpa Way Marketing has seasoned experts that are bilingual in English and Spanish. Let them take the guesswork away and enhance your brand positioning with their comprehensive marketing services. Go to SherpaWayMarketing.com. That's S-H-E-R-P-A-W-A-Y marketing.com to schedule your free 45-minute consultation today. Welcome to the Born Unbreakable podcast. I'm your host, Coach Des, and I've been looking forward to this interview for quite some time. I met Miss Malia Jefferson uh, over the internet, and we've had some back and forth, and I am blown away by her story first and foremost which we're going to hear today and just her energy and her alignment with everything that this podcast stands for and every time i come across something that feels so aligned it it feels right there's just no questions about it so um without further ado i want to introduce malia and have her tell her story um and i was you know i was sitting here kind of preparing going oh my gosh I could talk about you for so long because you've accomplished so much. And I'm like, I hope that I do this justice. I don't really get nervous introducing people. And I was like, oh my gosh, she's so accomplished. I don't want to, um, you know, not highlight all the right things. So I'm going to, I'm going to do my best. And if I, if I leave anything important out, make sure to, you know, fill in those gaps for me. Um, but really excited, uh, is that Malie's an attorney. And I've been just always enamored because I'm a political science major and I could, and I had so many friends that became attorneys and I, and I became a consultant. So I have admiration. So Malia, she's a top level attorney. She's an award-winning cause advocate. She's a motivational speaker and she's a heart attack survivor. So she's going to talk about that today. Um, She's on a mission to use her own story of resilience as a platform for empowering people around the world to build the lives that they dream of, regardless of the cards that they're dealt. And boy, are we all not dealt the greatest cards sometimes. And her story has been featured in Women's Day Ebony, USA Today, and her work as an attorney has been recognized by Super Lawyers Magazine and U.S. News and World Report's Best Lawyers of America. Her goal is to inspire individuals and businesses around the world to reevaluate their priorities, to eliminate the things that are no longer serving them, preach 
preach girl, <laughs> and to shift their mindsets to ones of confidence and resilience. That is like a mic drop right there. And we've barely even gotten started. <laughs> so I'm like in awe. I couldn't have, I, I really appreciate that stellar introduction. I don't think that you missed anything. If anything, you might have oversold me a little bit, but, you know, I am working on embracing the opportunities that I've had and, you know, really like just embracing my own greatness and being okay with that. You know, we have lots of people have problems with that. And that's one of my struggles as well. Imposter syndrome. Yeah. And, and, and it's, it's interesting too, because even as long as you've been an attorney, um, and as long as I've, you know, been a consultant, it's been almost two decades. There's, you still have those moments. You definitely where you're do. like, I don't know what I don't know, and what what am I doing? <laughs> so, you know, I think sometimes we we go through that cycle because there's just always new things that come up in our own fields of expertise, and it's that humility. Mm-hmm. that we have to embrace the process. But there's also that confidence to know. I got this. I I know yes. what I'm doing. I am I am intelligent. I am and and I know how to seek the the answers and find the resources and make the connections to to do the things that I need to do. And I think that we just have to be reminded and being in community like this is a good reminder when we have those moments of, you know, maybe second guessing ourselves. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, but I, I would love to start with your story because it's so powerful. And when I, when I learned that you had a heart attack at 32, 32, I, and survived and, you know, and, and now are doing more advocacy work for, for people who, you know, have gone through those kinds of things and doing education. I, I mean, I just can't even imagine what it would have been like to experience that at such a young, at such a young age. So. Absolutely. I I think for me, um, having experienced a heart attack at 32 was my wake up call that I needed to really embrace what was most important to me. And so I'll step back just a little bit and, and tell you how it all happened and what, was the point where I recognized life is short, right? And sometimes we don't know how short it is. We don't know how long we're going to be on this earth to make impact. And so you should make the most of every single moment that you have. And so when I was 32, just a year out from having my daughter, um, you know, I think that I thought that I was worn down from being a new mother, a working mother, being in that category of uh, people who are both parents and managing their elderly parents' care, you know, that kind of middle generation, and burning the candles at both ends. I thought that's what was happening with me. And so one day I was not feeling particularly well after I dropped my daughter off at um, her childcare 
uh, provider and I decided to call in and stay home. At that time, I was working for a judge, happened to be Judge Michelle Childs, um, whose name we've heard recently as a potential Supreme Court nominee, though she didn't get nominated. But anyway, I'm digressing. So I called, um, I called her and I said, you know, I'm not really feeling well today. I'm going to just take something, lay down for a little while longer. I'll be in that afternoon. And the afternoon came and I still wasn't feeling well. Uh, so I called out for the entire day. But I knew that my daughter was coming home soon. So I was just trying to like pull it all together um, so that when my daughter was picked up from childcare, I'd be ready to run with her. I mean, she was a one-year-old who just started, you know, walking and babbling and was very busy. So I took, I got up um, and took a shower. And when I got out of the shower, I felt this enormous um, weight of not necessarily pressure, but exhaustion exhaustion like I had never felt before. And I felt weak and I was having these cold sweats. And although my bathroom is in my main bedroom, I felt like I almost wasn't going to make it to my bed. And so fortunately, um, my husband was working from home at that time. And I was so weak that I could not even call out to him for help. I called him on the phone and I said, hey, something's wrong. I don't know what's wrong, but I think, you know, I might need to go to the hospital. So he came upstairs and he helped me get dressed and I went to the hospital and uh, they told me I had pneumonia and they discharged me. And, you know, I went home, followed up with my primary care physician and as soon as she kind of looked at what I described as my symptoms, um, she said, you know, I think I need to order some blood work for you. Um, and I have a family history of heart disease and, and different issues in my family. And so she wanted to get a better picture of what was going on. Um, as soon as that blood work came in, she called me and said, you need to go to a cardiologist today. Um, and I went and within a couple of days they had diagnosed that what we thought or at least what the emergency room discharged me as having pneumonia was actually a widowmaker heart attack. I had a complete blockage of my main artery in my heart. And it was amazing that I was still walking around. Mm -hmm. um, they immediately took me to the hospital. I did a cath. Um, they unblocked the blockage and stented my heart. Um, but it was a long road for, for recovery from there for me. My heart function was so low that they would not let me leave the hospital without a defibrillator. Like I wore a defibrillator vest, um, uh, called a life vest for nine months after I initially had my heart attack because my doctors were telling me, if this happens again, you're not going to make it to the hospital. That like EMS is not going to get to you in time. You're going to die. So, you know, I spent more than nine months always kind of scared to sleep, scared that at any time my heart was going to stop and I was going to get shocked by this machine. 
um, scared that I wasn't going to be there for my daughter. And that brought up a lot of um, emotions and feelings because I actually uh, lost my own mother when I was a little bit less than a year old in a car accident. Um, and so uh, my mother and my paternal grandmother both died in a catastrophic accident in which I survived. And so I have looked at both of those experiences as almost a divine sign that I am supposed to be here and I am supposed to be making a difference. And when I left the hospital and kind of got through the nine months of rehab from, from my heart attack, I really had to take stock of what was happening in my life. Was I prioritizing the things that really mattered to me? And was I prioritizing myself? And unfortunately, that answer initially was no. And I had to change that. So that is what put me on a path to evaluating what is really aligned with who you are, your purpose in life, and making sure that you are making choices that are consistent with that alignment. Because like I said earlier, life is short and you have to make the most of every single moment because it's not promised. Tomorrow is not is not promised to us. Yeah. So and that I, is, that's kind of the beginning of my story and where yeah. um, I decided that I wanted to help other people harness that before a catastrophic event happened in their life. Yeah. It, it, I, the, the first words that came to my mind listening to your story was wake up call. It's like a wake up call. I mean, that's not the kind of wake up call you want to get, but sometimes it's what happens that forces you to think differently. And sometimes those, it shouldn't take those monumental events for us to do that. But human nature has us wired to go on autopilot so easily. So it's, it's, we get distracted easily, we get into a routine. Mm -hmm. And even when our gut instincts tell us that there's areas of our lives that we need to re-examine, we just keep plowing through. We don't have time, we're busy. And then it's not until you're in the hospital having to wear a vest for nine months that you're like, well, I need to not be too busy. Absolutely. Because I'm not going to be here. Exactly. And for me, as a mother, there are two really important, you know, priorities for me, my daughter and making sure that I am here for my daughter. And it was a hard thing for me to accept that in order for me to be true to those priorities meant I had to put myself first. It's kind of like when you're in the airplane and they're giving you the instructions about what to do. And they always say, you know, put your mask on first before you help anybody else. Yet mm -hmm. I think in life that's absolutely true because if I'm not taking care of me and doing the things that 
help me thrive, then how could I possibly pour into her? Yeah, I can't. You won't, you won't be at your best. Not my best. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you go through this experience and that's a long experience and, and a shocking one because you go from pneumonia, which is just, that's, that's not fun either to this widowmaker heart attack. And then the anxiety about your heart going forward, mm -hmm. what was, what's the management like now of your heart? Is there anything that you've had to do differently to, to gain your confidence in that area in terms of your care with the team of doctors and things that you work with? So I, I think the key word that you used there was team. So um, the main thing that I do to manage my heart condition right now is realize that I don't have to do things all by myself. And I think that this kind of concept that is perpetuating that you have to thrive or be successful in a silo is just false. I mean, I strongly believe that we all need support. And this concept of being um, having a community around you to make sure that you have the things that you need and that you are at your best are critically important to optimizing your potential. And for me, I have a team of doctors. I regularly go uh to see them, to make sure that I am monitoring my health as best I can from the standpoint of making sure my doctors know what's going on. Um, one thing that's a continued struggle for me, right, is making sure that I am eating and exercising right. Um, and that's where my tribe comes in to hold me accountable and say, you know, Malia, these are the things that you need to do. You said that you wanted to be here to be supportive for your doctor, daughter to see her grow up. Um, if that's really true, then you need to eat healthily. You need to exercise. It's, some, it's a place where I struggle, but where my, my tribe comes in. And I think finally, it is that tribe that has helped me maintain good health, helped me maintain perspective. And your tribe can be made up of all different types of people. So for some people, it's a family unit. For some people, it is a circle of friends. Um, you know, but I do think it is important for everyone to recognize that um, you don't have to live your life in a silo and you don't have to get through, you don't have to go through difficult things by yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm so happy that you're being vulnerable enough to say that. Um, it's an epiphany, I think, sometimes is, is hard to accept when you realize you have to accept help. And there's resistance to that when you are a person who is independent and ambitious and solution-oriented and capable because there's initially sometimes the thought of 
Well, if I ask for help or need it, does that mean I can't, I, I'm not capable, but I've, I've accomplished so many things with my own capabilities. And, exactly. and so, you know, I think it's getting outside of that and saying, you know, you are capable, but part of that capability is your capacity to love and and strengthen yourself through the the connection, the support, the guidance, the the mentorship, the advisement of of others around you, who can uh, lift you up in different ways. You know, absolutely on the health side of it, you you have health professionals, but then a lot of it is the mental aspect of it because it's it's not that you're not sitting there going. I know personally these choices I can make with what I'm eating or whether or not I decide to exercise for 30 minutes. But if I'm left to my own device, devices, I will easily choose the thing that's easier to do. <laughs> I mean, you know, and so having the accountability and, and that's a lot of it, I think, where that comes into play, the, having the tribe is the accountability. Right. It's not because you don't know, because we all know too well. It's the fact that other people are holding you accountable to the things that are hard for you to hold yourself accountable to. Yes, that is that is so true. Very true. Yeah. The food. <laughs> oh, oh, don't even get me started. It's just like a whole thing, a whole process. <laughs> and there's like ups and downs, you know. But I really want to talk about... Um, well, you know, there's a landscape that we're in right now, right? Every mm-hmm. every season when we go through and, and admire and reflect on a year, there's a landscape that exists, meaning right. our, our environment is shaped by, uh, you know, the world. We can't, to your earlier point about isolation, there's an awareness that we have to have about the world around us. And in the world around the, us over the last, you know, 24 months, there's there's a lot. There's there's a global pandemic. Um, you know, we have to all acknowledge whether we want to pay attention to it or not. There's a war going on in the world. In 2022, there is an actual war happening in the world. It's affecting yes. the global economy. You know, it affects prices. It affects um, how we do business globally. Um, and so we... we all of these things uh, affect the way we think. It can affect our health. It, if, you know, we just talked about um, um, the mental state, and so we we have to be cognizant of the of the world that we're living in, right? And um, you know, in that, I've seen more people think about their alignment and thinking about if they are focusing on the things that is fueling them and enabling them to live the best version of themselves or if they're caught up in all of the things that are keeping them from doing exactly that, right? So we could, you or I or anybody else in any other part of the world could get caught up in pandemic and politics and and things that can bring us down and and keep us from being productive but it's a choice and we have a choice every day so i would love to have a conversation with you about alignment and what you've done to kind of get that in your life and how you make decisions about what you do and don't 
uh, pay attention to or give time to. Yeah. So, and you mentioned the pandemic, which is, has been an experience for people around the world to kind of have this unintentional pause to reflect on, you know, what is both happening in the world, but also what is happening with them personally. And, uh, you know, I am, I recognize that I have the extraordinary privilege of using that pandemic time to reflect on things in a way that not everyone has, right? So during the pandemic, I wasn't one of the people who was necessarily thinking about like, how am I going to feed my family? Um, and, you know, those types of things. Um, and so I, I acknowledge and recognize that for me, that experience was was one of privilege. Um, but I think we all, regardless of where we are in in our lives and, and what fortunes or misfortunes that we are having, um, we all kind of take try or at least need to take some time to take stock of what's most important. And for me, the very first thing I do is really identify who the real stakeholders of my life are. Like, what is most important to me? Who is most important to me? And everything that does not advance the interests of those stakeholders needs to take a back seat, right? And earlier I talked about the some of the most important stakeholders for me, primarily my daughter and myself, my family, you know, um, I had to recognize that I was put at, at certain times and particularly when I experienced my heart attack, I was putting my career ahead of the things that I claimed to be most important to me. And um, while it is important, I think, for someone who has kind of this independent mindset and, you know, I've always wanted to be a lawyer, my career was important, but it was not at the end of the day what makes me me. Um, and so you, once you identify the things that are most important to you, all the rest of your decisions, I strongly believe, must be based on advancing the interests of those things and people who are most important to you. And getting that clarity is really hard, particularly when you're used to doing the same thing, when you've been in the circumstance um, or situation or a job or um, a relationship, anything for a certain period of time, there is um, this level of uh complacency where you feel like if it's not broken, you know, don't fix it. But if you're not happy and it's not advancing the things that are most important to you, then it actually is broken mm -hmm. and you do need to fix it. And that's okay. It's okay to pivot and it doesn't make you a failure. It doesn't make you, um, you know, incapable or less than, um, you may have been with the same company,
for 20 years and have exhausted your opportunity for growth there. And and by growth, I mean not just your opportunity to advance to the next level of management, but like your opportunity for professional and personal growth. Mm-hmm. And if that's the case, then think about whether or not you need to leave. And I'm not encouraging everybody to like, you know, quit their jobs in mass, although the pandemic sort of did yeah. that for a lot yeah. of people. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I do want you to not be afraid to try something new. Yeah. And, and you know, and maybe that is a, a great place to start because change is difficult, right? It is. However, I will say that, you know, growth isn't found in your comfort zone. So there's that, right? So it's right, we, we're putting those two realities together where... It's comfortable not to change because right here, I could just wake up, do what I've always done. I know it. I don't really have to think twice about it. This is what I eat for breakfast. This is, you know, what my routine looks like. This is what I do in my free time. And, and you just kind of go about things. But when you take a step back and really think about if you are where you want to be and the people that are around you are continuing to help you expand your your perspective and grow and when you when you kind of go through all of that you know your colleagues your friendships your intimate relationships um you'll find some information it's like data collection right you're doing an inventory on on things and when we do data collection, that's where we can find some opportunities, you know, opportunities that help us to recognize where we may need to spend some additional time and where we may not need to spend as much time as we have been <laughs> because it's not necessarily serving us, you know. So I, I think that introspection is a place that we can easily run from and we have to make a decision to run toward because it's where you find the most gold. I could not. I You said that perfectly. Um, as a matter of fact, when I go back and I'm going to listen to that and I, I'm going to, you know, use that little bit as a mantra for um, propelling this these next stages of my life, this this at this concept of introspection and using it to propel yourself to to the next phase. Mm -hmm. Um, And it is hard to really look at yourself in the mirror and separate Mm -hmm. what your perception or what others perceive of you from the reality of what it is you actually want. Mm Well, and here's here's another thing that, you know, I, I think about, and even when I think of your story about, you know, where you were when you were 32, when everything was happening, and likely where you are today, and where you're thinking you might be tomorrow, is don't be afraid that when you think about who you were five years ago, that it's different than who you are today, and that you're striving towards a little bit of something different five years from today, because I think it's scarier if you look at that and the answer is 
that it's the same. That's just my personal perspective because it, it, it's a reflection of what work you may, may or may not have done, you know, mm -hmm. to, to, to tap into your potential. Now, I do think that there is something to be said for when you're ready for certain things. You know, sometimes we chase opportunities and you want this promotion or you want this more money or you want some kind of title. But where you're just at in your competency levels or your experience isn't there. And so we, we get ahead of ourselves. So, you know, it's not, <clears throat> but I think it's, I think, so, you know, there's situations like that where we might be overzealous, <coughs> but I think what's important is that we're always evaluating, are you at least moving in the direction towards the things that you want and what you want to represent and how you want to show up, you know, and, exactly. and acknowledging where you've made repeat mistakes, you know, one of the you know, and I'll get vulnerable because you've been so vulnerable and I don't, I don't always have these moments, but they just kind of come when they come is, you know, relationships have been one of those areas for me where because my tendencies are to be a people pleaser mm -hmm. is to want to find solutions. And so inherently those are good qualities. Like I've acknowledged in my career, those have been great qualities that have gotten me so much of what I want. But in my relationships, my personal relationships, I've had to figure out boundaries and I've had to figure out how to not fall in love with potential because that's different than reality. Reality and potential are two different things. Preach. <laughs> I somehow continued for a long time to think somehow they could have been the same thing. But that was part of my learning. I had to recognize the common denominator and not place responsibility on anyone else but my own decisions. And, and that's sometimes a hard pill for anybody to swallow because sometimes our decisions are not that great, you know? And, and that's where we get to make better ones. We still have a chance. And that's, that's the part where we are wanting to, you know, get to. And that, that's the point of, you know, this podcast is to say, hey, we're not perfect. We, we show up the best we can, but we also recognize that there's work to do. Right. And that is really where um, the building of resilience happens. Right. So you you acknowledge that. Maybe, you know, you acknowledge a trauma or you acknowledge a mistake um, and really sit with the reality of what that means in your life and give yourself permission to take all of that in, react to it, feel what you feel. Don't apply judgment to it. Don't berate yourself for, you know, I think a lot of people will go through an experience and look at it and say, well, you know, why did I let this happen to me? Why did this happen to me? Is it something that I did? It it actually might have been something that you did. But if that's the case, you have to take stock of what led to the experience. So using my life as an example, for me, I had to acknowledge that maybe I was not living as healthily of a lifestyle as I should have been. And that led to me having a heart attack burning the candles at both ends, 
high stress environment. I'm already in a high stress profession, but I probably put more pressure on myself than I needed to because there's kind of, you know, this perception that I, you know, I want to be perceived as someone who can do it all, someone who can do it all by myself. But that has consequences. And for me, that consequence was I had a heart attack and it took a while for me to um, sift through all of the all of those things that contributed to my health situation. And then I was able to take it for what it was take a deep breath, accept it for what it was, but move on in understanding that did not have to be my tomorrow. Mm -hmm. So I think once you acknowledge the trauma, the experience, the hard thing that you went through, you have to then figure out how you're going to adapt. You have to think about what am I going to do differently what have I learned from this experience that I'm going to take forward into my life, leaving the old baggage behind, but taking the the knowledge with you of mm -hmm. that experience so that you don't repeat it. And you have to learn, I think, how you can put systems in place, whether that's a support system, whether that is changing your own behavior so that you don't end up repeating that experience that now you know, i don't know that you can you can i isolate yourself or insulate yourself from um events reoccurring but you can definitely make sure that you're better prepared to address it next mm -hmm. time with this with your mind Right. This is this is a magnificent. I'm pointing to my mind <laughs> for people that are not watching this on YouTube. Um, it's this amazing tool of resilience that can adapt, and that's you know the the whole beautiful thing that that you just said right there in in saying because this ha this is something that anybody listening right now can relate to. You have experienced something that is a trauma, big or small. And it's, it's a shock to the system. Mm -hmm. It's like if you were to jump in cold water right now, that like initial shock would, would put, stop you in your tracks. And that's what happens when something like a heart attack, a relationship ending, a job change, a baby being born. Mm -hmm. These are all wake up, you know, signals of, oh, something's changing. And it's kind of uncomfortable and I need to reposition how I'm, I'm dealing with this. What happens is that there's an initial emotion and we're in a heightened state of emotion when something happens. And that's where doubt comes in. That's where fear comes in. That's where questions come in. And I, what I've realized through stories like yours, working through my own journey, is that you have the feelings, like you said, don't avoid them, accept them, embrace them, feel them, but then you get past the emotion and you get to this place of logic. Now it takes right. some of us longer to get there, but the <laughs> point is that um, somewhere along the way, you get to a point of logic after the emotional buildup. And that's when you can start asking the questions. It's like, okay, I get this. 
This has happened. It is real. What do I want to do from here? What do I want life to look like tomorrow, six months from now, a year from now? And then you can, you can start answering those questions. And it might take a little bit each day for you to figure out the full you know, scope of what that answer is, but it's in the logic, you know, that you're, you're going to start to examine the future. And, um, but that's why it's not easy because when you mix emotions in there, Mm -hmm. right, it's, you don't just kind of have this epiphany and everything is just okay. And you start living a new life tomorrow. Like it doesn't work that way. That is so true. And, you know, we are constantly being fed this, these kind of images that something bad happens and I just, you know, will it to be better and it will be better tomorrow. Right. Mm -hmm. And we miss all of the work that went into moving to the better place. A lot of times we see people going through a hard situation. And then the next time we hear from them, they're on the other side of it. But what we don't see is what has happened in the middle, which is a lot of hard work in mm -hmm. processing um, and figuring out how to get to that next stage. And for people, I think for the people who exhibit the most resilience, um, I think those are the people who are able to, once they've acknowledged what's happened, happened um, and determined how to adapt, they are the ones who advance through it, right? Mm -hmm. um, right. And so it's one thing to, to acknowledge what happened and recognize what happened to do this kind of self-evaluation or introspection on, on how you can improve your situation. But you have to choose, you have to want to move forward or you never will. Mm -hmm. it's, it's an intentional, conscientious shift and choice that, that you make every day. And you yes. and only you can do that. And, that. and that's the thing. It's not something you delegate. It's not something that goes to someone else to decide. It's a decision that you have to make for your own life. And that's what it adulting looks like. <laughs> it's what adulting looks like. I mean, it's what life looks like. Mm -hmm. And I think we all have the capacity to live resilient lives. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of that comes down to whether or not you are choosing that for yourself. Mm -hmm. And and how much you want to spend your time being future focused versus looking in the rearview mirror, which is an easy admiration. But you, we also have to recognize that what what happened five seconds ago we can't change. So certainly something that happened yesterday or a month ago is not going to change either. You know, so we only have the ability to change now what's right. right here right now those are the things that we can influence and that's a mindset shift that is sometimes hard because you spend so much time admiring this thing that's already occurred that you can't change even if you went and and diagnosed it you know 17 different ways because it still happened the way that it did because you can apply the knowledge the information you know and and the new the the learning 
that you have forward. And I, and I sometimes think that that is such an energy shift that is the hardest thing for us to do is to, is to go this forward direction. <laughs> and it is, it is very, very difficult to keep yourself um, on that forward trajectory. And a lot of times we feel like if there's anything that, you know, makes us take a couple of steps back, we look at it, we're like, oh, we failed. I failed. I'm, I'm done. I'm not going to try again. Mm -hmm. But moving your life forward, being resilient is part of the ability to keep going, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's not always going to be easy, even if you have done the work to, you know, evaluate what you would do differently. Maybe the circumstance occurs in a different way the next time. But hopefully those lessons that you learned, even though you've kind of taken a step back because you're like, oh, I thought this was never going to happen to me again. And it did. The part of you that is truly resilient will get up and move forward again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, and I think that going back to a point that you made that was very strong before about your tribe is, is an important part of that ability to be resilient and move forward. That's where you, you have to admit that you can't do this alone. That's where you have to sometimes make a phone call. And I mean, I, I, you know, I'm, thinking about this as an action that all of us can take is to think about how we connect with people. Like, mm -hmm. how do we actually do that? Because there's, there is this, I don't even know what it's called. I was about to call it a disease because sometimes I think it's a disease, which is paying attention to this highlight reel on social media as, as a barometer or as a gauge for success right? Because you see, like, for example, I'm just going to pick something that might be easy of like, oh my gosh, this person, you know, like, like they've lost 30 pounds and like, how are they doing that so easily? And I'm over here trying to lose like three pounds, you know, or right. whatever that thing is, that's just, you know, going to make your life more difficult by paying attention to this highlight reel. But to your point, what's more important is what is that person doing behind the scenes that got them to that point? Because again, we're only seeing the like the miracles and all these great things, but not the hard work. And this is what it's taking and eating and, you know, all this stuff. If you picked up the phone, like mm -hmm. fancy that and had a yes. conversation mm -hmm. with the person to understand and learn and connect and engage, you will get more insightful information and learn about great things that people are doing that you could get inspired by than just being a passive observer of all these other things and accomplishments that are happening instead of being active, an active, engaged human being. Sometimes I think that's dissipating, you know, this, this level of engagement that we can have to just connect and pick up the phone for 15 minutes than to like, you know, have you checked your screen time, people? Like, have you looked at it? <laughs> you know, like for those seven hours, it's telling you you're doing that. You could have like called four people, probably. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I think it is. We live right now in a world where everybody is presenting perfection. And that's just not reality. Perfection is not reality. We're all imperfect. And 
Um, that is not to say that there's something bad about wanting to present the best, you know, version of yourself, whatever that might be. I think we all want to present well to the world, um, but not forgetting that before that perfect picture that was posted on on social media happened, there was a whole lot that went into that perfect picture, right? There was makeup, there was, you know, filters, filters there was <laughs> editing, you know, all kinds of things that went into making that image look perfect. And so instead of looking at that perfect image and thinking, you know, I can never achieve that, I want people to start thinking more about what it took to to make that perfect image. Your, your success may not look like someone else's success. Your journey may not look like someone else's journey. You need to evaluate what is important to you personally and not necessarily what is important for your, your friends, your world, whoever you think you know, you're supposed to impress. Because at the end of the day, you have to live with your own decisions. Right. You have to live with the life that you have created for yourself. And that life is not it may not be what you present on social media. Right. Mm -hmm. Maybe it is. Maybe it's not. But what really matters is all the things that happened in the background to to make that image occur. So for me personally, you know, people see me, they, they say, oh, well, she's a really successful attorney. Um, she is an accomplished speaker. But what they don't see is or don't think about, it took years for me to really um, hone my craft as an attorney. Right. I didn't walk out of law school with accolades as, as an attorney. You know, yeah. I built those over time doing the work. And I don't just walk up on stage and give a speech. I There's a lot of preparation that goes into a speech that I give to an, a conference or an audience. Um, and I think that we're so kind of caught up in like quick fixes and wanting everything now that we're not willing to do the work. But I promise you the work is worth it. Mm -hmm. And working through all of the obstacles or adversities that you may face in getting to the point that you want to be at in your life in getting to the decision that you need to make in your life. All of those are helping you kind of have a, a, a repository of knowledge or a library of, of knowledge and uh, tools that you can use as you continue to advance in your life. I think you're never that adage that, you know, e you know, either you succeed or you learn. And I think that's true. You know, you don't look at things that happen to you as failures. Look at it, look at them as learning opportunities. Um, and then you'll be able to come out of the other side a, a better informed person. I, and I would say a happier person. Mm -hmm. I agree. Um, I totally, totally agree with that. And I have to ask, What's next for Malia? 
now you know he, this is where you are now we we know what you've been through what's what's ahead what are you looking forward to so i am looking forward to i'm really looking forward to making my life um something where i have more space and time to enjoy my daughter um and also where i get to have interactions with other people to help them fulfill what their life's purpose is mm-hmm. uh so you know i am i'm working on a couple of different things um i just launched my website which is malia maliabowersjefferson.com so please go check it out um and i am hoping that I will be able to share my story with other people um, and help them to figure out the roadmap to moving through the things that are keeping them stifled from being their best self. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. Being able to pour into others is the ultimate, ultimate gift. You know, there's there's so much that comes with that experience, and I love that that is a part of the the chapter that you're you're moving into. I want to ask you some questions that help us get to know you a little bit better. Okay. And so, my first question for you is, what makes you unbreakable? My faith. My faith makes me unbreakable. Um, you know, I. It, depending on your audience, it could be popular or unpopular to talk about religion. But, um, you know, I would not be where I am without my spirituality and my faith. And that doesn't necessarily mean a particular religion. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that being in touch with um, your inner spirit your, um, you know, I personally believe in God. Um, and I do believe that I have, there's divine intervention in, into why I'm here, Mm -hmm. but whatever that space is for you, that lets you know that the impossible is possible. You have to believe that it's possible before you can make it a reality. So my faith. Oh, it's beautiful. And I I love this space because I I see and embrace all of it. You know, we all have different belief systems, right. whether it's God, whether it's the universe, whether mm-hmm. it's, you know, um, a, a, something else that's out there. I think it's a sense of a higher, a higherness, you right. know, that's a little bit bigger than us that we can go to that, that gives us that sense of humility and openness to learn and openness to embrace hope and possibility. Um, so I think that is, a, is beautiful that it's your faith that makes you unbreakable. Um, what is something that's on your bucket list? Oh my goodness, on my bucket list. Um, so I would really love to tour all of Asia. Oh, that would be amazing. Yes. I I mean, I love to travel. Um, I've been to a lot of different places and, you know, I think 
the, my daughter is really enamored with Asian culture um, and is now learning Mandarin. And um, so I think maybe part of why it's on my bucket list because I want to do it with her. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I just love to travel and see more Asian countries. Oh, yeah, that's that'll be and, and it's even more fun when you think about doing it with your daughter. Yes. So you're going to have a lot of good memories coming <laughs> up over there. Lots of places to see there in Asia. Um, Malia, what what's a self-limiting belief you've had to overcome? Imposter syndrome. I, um, for a very long time, it was, I kept waiting for the time when, you know, people would find out, oh, well, you know, she's, she's just, it's just all chance that she's winning these cases, or it's, it's by chance that she, um, you know, got this award or this accomplishment, um, and not really believing that it, that, it wasn't chance. It was the work that I put into it mm -hmm. and believing that I am enough and that my accomplishments are mine. And it's okay for me to own that. Yeah. Oh, and that's that is, that's, that's so hard. That's so what predominantly, what kind of cases do you take? Uh, so I predominantly do just a lot of civil litigation. So if you think about businesses suing other businesses, mm. um, and I really love diving into intellectual property disputes. Wow. Um, so, you know, if, if someone was out there stealing your um, born unbreakable trademark, you know, we want to get, we want to stop that. We want right? to put an end to that. So uh, those are the types of cases that I that I've worked on most in yeah. the past. Um, you asked about kind of what's moving on in my future as a lawyer. I am moving on into the space of mediation. Right. So wow. not necessarily being the one to litigate the case, but to help the parties come together and find a resolution so that they can get common out. ground, common ground. Right. Mm. Yeah. So that for from a professional perspective, um, as a lawyer, I'm moving more into the mediation space. There is room for everything that you just said. You know, <laughs> I, think, I think about the number of new businesses that have emerged over all of these months that are really digging in further into their intellectual property because it kind of takes a while to establish things and then figure yes. out like, oh, gosh, now I have to protect myself and do all this stuff. And then. Um, and mediation is is an art, you know. I think that's a it's its own thing. And there's, um, uh, I think there's a lot of gratification that can come when you're able to get people to that place because it's not easy, uh, you know, for people to 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 get to a common point of agreement. Often, that is that is very true, but I think. Um, I've learned a lot of skills that help people put into perspective. Again, we've, we've talked this whole time about perspective, right? Mm -hmm. And what are you really trying to accomplish? And is litigation going to do that for you? Yeah. Um, and I've, I've just found that a lot of times people just want to be heard, right? They want, they want to be heard. They want acknowledgement. They want the other person to say, I'm sorry. 
They also they also probably want some money too. Yeah. But, but yeah. you know, um I I'm moving away from wanting to be the one to fight about the dispute to helping people come to that common ground. And that goes back to aligning where I am in my life, right? Yeah. I think it's I think you're brilliant. I'm and so I think kind. that is that is an amazing alignment. So I, 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 I'm really excited to hear you say that that's, that's uh, where you're headed. Because the next question I was going to ask you is, what's your superpower? My superpower, I think, is probably my confidence. And I know people are saying, well, you just said that you had imposter syndrome. And now you're saying that super that your confidence is um, your superpower. But I really think that fake it till you make it sometimes is a really um, powerful thing to do. And I've just always been able to walk into a room and exude a certain level of confidence and confidence will take you a long way. It really, it really, really, really does. And I'm, I'm so, you know, and I'm so glad that you can talk about both sides of that. You should talk about imposter syndrome and confidence because one of the things, the longer I am in business and go into different situations that you, you have no idea. That's the thing is like, you don't know what you're walking into because you can't control other people. You can't control their reactions. You could control what you say, what you do is that you start learning how to improvise more and not overthinking, um, you know, but, but all that preparation, you know, in early stages of life and in your career and in your personal life is like you just mentioned earlier, worth it. Because then when you get further along, you can trust in your gut more, I think. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that. Malia, if you had to give one last piece of advice to anyone listening, what would that be? I think that you have to really examine and be true to yourself. Because that is ultimately what's going to make you happiest. Listen to yourself. That's amazing. I, that was the reason I started this podcast. <laughs> you know, I'm so glad you did. Kind of this, you know, suffering. And I, I feel like that's a little bit of a big word, but it's still an accurate word of spending so much time trying to accommodate, please live up to whatever you want to call it. Other people, <laughs> your yes. parents, your partners, your mentors, you know, everybody who has an influence and does care about you. But if you don't love who you are, mm -hmm. all the pieces of you every day, even the scars and the bruises and the bumps and the scrapes, right? It's going to be really difficult that is living, so on, living on other people's terms. So true. So I love that. <laughs> I love, <laughs> I love that. But so we heard your website um, and say it again so we can make sure to, to go to that. Yeah. www.maliabowersjefferson.com. Perfect. And then are you on 
certain socials? Yeah, you, you can find me on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram. Um, please connect with me. I'd love to hear more about, you know, your listeners' stories and um, connect with them. Hopefully I can inspire them to move to the next stage of their life as well. Oh, this is amazing. I'm so grateful for you sharing your story and being vulnerable, talking about your experiences and the journey and where you are today. It means a lot for you to take time out of your busy schedule to, to join me in this conversation today. So thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Malia Jefferson's story of resilience is nothing short of fantastic. To be able to go through and really dig deep following an experience like a heart attack at such a young age is is amazing. She is a person of such depth. She emanates this sense of joy and deep love for her daughter and of life and of learning and of growth. Uh, that's just such a positive energy. Um, meeting with her and engaging her such good vibes, such good vibes. And I, my encouragement, you know, coming out of this discussion today is really to take stock. You know, we spent some time talking about that in the episode, but that would be my, my biggest takeaway for anybody who's listening is to take a purposeful pause and just take a moment. Think about where you are in your life right now. Think about where you want to be in your life six months from now. Are the relationships that you have thriving? Are they serving you? Is the job, the career, the business that you engage in fulfilling you, helping you to grow, not just monetarily, but as a human being in this world? Is what you do in your spare time when you're not working helping you to grow spiritually physically mentally socially take stock take stock of those things go a step go a step further and and write it down whether it's in a note on your phone whether it's a couple of minutes journaling, maybe it's even talking about it, to have some time to reflect with somebody and you can work on this together. Life is a process. We're meant to grow and we're meant to change despite the discomfort that we might feel. If we want to truly grow, this process of introspection and reflection is a requirement. It's, it's not even optional. I'm not, I'm not going to even act like this is an optional thing for you to do. It's required for us to ask these questions if we expect that during this short lifetime that we have on this planet, that we're going to do the things we want. We're going to be the person that we want. We have to be intentional every single day. So take some time and think about that. I appreciate you being here. If you haven't subscribed, please do so. If it's your first time here, thank you. If you've continued to return, thank you. Leave a rating and review if you haven't already. 
feel free to reach out to me. Go to bornunbreakable.com, my website, and you'll find all the different ways to reach out to me, uh, whatever you prefer. That's why there's all the formats because I know everybody is different and I embrace that very much. Remember that you are your only limit. So take action and tune in again next time for another inspiring and fun episode of the Born Unbreakable podcast.